Morning, folks. How's it going? Um, I'm just going to read for us this morning, just before John comes and, uh, and, pr- and brings his word to us. So, folks, we are reading this morning from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. The Sermon on the Mount. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Folks, I'm just going to pray quickly before John comes and speaks to us this morning. Father, thank you for a a great morning. Father, thank you for this opportunity to come together in the middle of a, a long weekend to spend time together to worship you and to open your word. Father, I pray with all the hustle and bustle and stuff that's going on, Father, I pray you'll You'll just be with us here now. You'll, you'll settle our minds, Father, and open our hearts for what John's going to bring to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Uh, morning, everyone. Morning. Good to be with you this morning as we are looking at, continuing to look at this series of the Beatitudes. And this week we come to the Beatitude where Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I want to start this morning by asking uh, you and, and myself a couple of questions. And it's a question that I have been asking myself all week, and so I've thought about it all week and come to some conclusions. I'm not sure what those conclusions are, but these are questions for you to think about as we move through this beatitude this morning. Think about these questions. They're rhetorical. I don't want an answer. Uh, And I would be clear this morning that these questions that I'm going to ask are only for those who would consider themselves to be Christians. They are questions for those who would consider themselves to be followers of Jesus, to be disciples. And so if that's not you this morning, uh, you're sort of out at this point, but uh, hang in there. So these are questions for those who would claim to be followers of Jesus. Question is this. First question is this. How would someone know you are a Christian? How would someone know you're a Christian? What would make someone say, oh yes, definitely, they are a follower of Jesus? Second question, how do you know you're a Christian? 
how do you know? How do I know I'm a Christian? How do I know I'm a follower of Jesus? How do I know I'm a disciple? Well, the reason I ask these two questions this morning is this. I believe the beatitude that we are looking at this morning, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I believe that this beatitude gives us in part the answer to those questions. To answer the first, could someone say, could someone look at your life, could someone identify you as a follower of Jesus because you are someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? Could someone look on at your life, the way you live, the way you prioritize your life, the way that you, 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 the way that you speak, the way that you act, and say, definitely there is someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? And answer the second question, how do you know you're a Christian? Is this, could you say, could you sit here this morning in this room and say that you are someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? As we look at this beatitude in Matthew's gospel this morning, let me just make this sort of, give you this quote to, to see what that's based on. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite old-time sort of preachers, said this. He says, And I do not know of a better test than anyone can apply to himself or herself in this whole matter of the Christian profession than this verse. That's a pretty big statement. I do not know a better test than anyone can apply to him or himself or herself in this whole matter of Christian profession than this verse. And he goes on to say this. He says, if this verse is significant to your heart, if this verse is most blessed to you and to your Christian life, then you can know that you are the Lord's. In other words, if you're sitting here this morning and you can answer that question that I asked in the positive, then you can know that you are the Lord's. If you are sitting here and you can answer the question, do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Yes. Then you can know that you are the Lord's. Right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I want to start this morning by giving us the meaning of righteousness, because that's a vital part of what we're looking at this morning. If we, need to, if we want to understand, if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we, we need to understand what we're hungering and thirsting for, for us to understand this beatitude. We need to know what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Bible word we translate righteousness, the Greek, the original Greek is a word that is basically means to be right with God. That's what righteousness is to be right with God. It's a word that's used in, in ancient literature to describe someone, to describe a person who kept the commands of God. They did what was right before God and man. They would have been known as a righteous man or a righteous woman if they had a desire to and a 
kept the commands and did what was right in front of God. That's what it means to be right. And you see, this desire is to be right in a right standing before God. You see, the simple fact is this. We long for God. And we long to be right with God. There is a deep longing in every human heart, every human heart, to be right with God. They may say there's not. Atheists may say they don't believe in a God. I don't believe it for a second. What I believe that every single human heart longs for God and to be right with God. C.S. Lewis put it like this, If I find myself with a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures can satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never made to satisfy it, but only to arouse it or to suggest the real thing. You see, the reality is this. Every single human being has a desire in their hearts for God and to, and to, and to please God and to do what is right in front of God. And, and the reality is that even those who try to satisfy that desire with other things come up short. That longing, that desire for God and to be right with Him is in every human heart. Most of us, those of us who have a conscience, which is us all, by the way, we all are born with a conscience, know the feeling, and you can agree with this or disagree, I, 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 I'm 100% sure that you'll agree with it. We know the feeling when something is wrong in a relationship. We know we instinctively know we've been there. If there has been a row with the spouse, you know, and it's not because just they're psycho. You know. Yes, you agree? You know. Things are off. Things are not right. We're 22 years into marriage now. Or 22, is that right? I'm looking for assurance. 22? 20? No? Feels like 22. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Probably it's near 20, around the 20 mark. You sort of gets fuzzy, to be honest. Uh, and you know when there's something not right. You've maybe had a row with someone, you know the relationship is not right. Could be at work, you know it's not right. Could be with a friend, you know it's not right. It's the same with God. We know it's not right. And we desire for our relationship with God to be right, to be righteous. It's in every human heart. To be righteous means to be in right standing with God, to fulfill His law and to do what He wants us to do. And we all know the problem. The problem is left to ourselves, we are not right with God. God made us to know Him and to be satisfied with Him in His presence forever. But the reality, is, the reality is we know we are not right because we know we have all sinned. Romans 3.10 There is none righteous. No, 
not one. Every one of us has broken God's commands. If you feel like, if you're in here this morning and you feel as if there's something wrong hanging over your head in your relationship with God, then you're right. If you've never accepted Jesus as Savior and, and you're sitting in here this morning and you, and you feel that there's something not right with your relationship with God, you're right. There's, there's, there's something, there is something wrong. You sin. Your sin have, has made you unrighteous before God. And unless you come to Jesus, it's very clear, unless you come to Jesus for salvation, believe in what He has accomplished, you will be eternally separated from Him. That's what it is to hunger for righteousness. It is a hunger to be in right standing with God. And you can see very clearly, we've, we've walked through four now, I think four of the Beatitudes, and you can see we started out where we started out with Spurgeon's quote about being poor in spirit, being the first rung on the ladder. You can see how these very clearly come together. When first you realize that you have sinned against God and you have nothing to bring, you're a spiritual beggar, you are poor in spirit. When you realize that, you mourn. Then you stop trying to take things into your own hands. And we talked about this last week. You, you let go and you give it to God. That is meekness. And finally, you have a hunger and a thirst then to be right with God. These four Beatitudes in particular all flow together. You're poor in spirit. You mourn over the fact that you're poor in spirit. You then take your hands off it and stop trying to work for it and, and meekness comes in. Then you hunger and you thirst to be right with God. You see the pattern. It's very, very clear. Finally, this hunger and this thirst for righteousness before God. So, notice how Jesus begins this beatitude by saying, blessed are those. First of all, we need to, we need to remember what blessed means or blessed. It's really important that we always get, come back to that and get that right before we start. Blessed again in God, satisfied in God no matter what the circumstance is. Blessed, satisfied in God, no matter what the circumstances are, rich or poor, well or ill. Satisfied in God, content, blessed. Contentment, no matter what the circumstance. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. You see where Jesus starts this? Who hunger and thirst. What Jesus is doing here, basically, really, really simply, what he's doing here in this beatitude is he's taking two physical realities that any, in the context, any first century Jew would have known what it was to hunger and to thirst. He's taking two physical realities and he's applying them to deeper spiritual needs. He's applying them to deeper spiritual truths. That even as we hunger and thirst physically, we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
You see, hunger and thirst obviously come from two of our most basic human needs, to be fed and to be watered. That, that's basic. Jesus picks up on this and he says, this is, the same, this is the same idea. Now, we have a problem. You and I have a problem. When we read this beatitude, we have an issue. Because we don't know, for the majority, the vast majority of us don't know what it is to hunger and we don't know what it is to thirst. You agree? We, we don't know what that's like. The fact of the matter is that most of us have not experienced actually what Jesus is talking about here, even in a physical sense. Because most of us have access, immediate access, to food and to drink. If we're hungry, we go to the fridge, or the milestone, or the country fried, or the Chinese, or wherever you want to go. It's getting wild air, though. But if we're thirsty, we turn on the tap or we get a bottle of water or Coke or whatever it is. We don't know what it is to long for these things. We don't know what it is to hunger and to thirst. And so we actually, I, I think it's really difficult for us to understand here what Jesus is actually saying. The first century Jew would have had no problem understanding it. But not us. We have a difficulty understanding what this actually means. To illustrate the point, I want to tell a, just a story that I read this week. It's a, it's a story from World War I. It's a story about a combined group of forces that were, that were pursuing the enemy. This combined group of forces, British forces, Australian forces, New Zealand forces, were pursuing the enemy as part of the liberation of Palestine. And they're pursuing them up through the desert, burning heat. Again, something that we're not overly like, familiar with here. Burning heat, right? So they're going through the desert, and in the pursuit of the enemy, they ended up, what ended up happening was the troops got so far ahead of the water trucks that they just ran out. They were pushing on, the troops were pushing on, the, the water trucks were so far back, they literally just ran out of water. And they were experiencing the realities of this, uh, in the heat of the desert, they started to experience the realities of what it means to thirst, really, really thirst, to the point where some of the troops were starting to die. Now, they had a choice. They either turned around, went back, towards uh, the water trucks and, and inevitably lose more troops, or they could push on to, to a place called the Wells of Shirea, and if they were able to get to the Wells of Shirea, they would have as much water as they could ever imagine. And so they took the decision to, to push on. Let's go. Let's push on to the Wells of Shirea, we're, and if we get there, we'll have as much water as we could ever imagine. Here's the thing. In the push, they lost hundreds of soldiers. Hundreds of soldiers died of basic thirst. The heat was horrendous. There were some 
troops in reasonably good, still in reasonably good condition, even though they were thirsty. Uh, but what the commander of the forces said is that those who were in the best condition, used on guard, only those in the worst of condition could immediately go. They got the wells of Shavdale. They got there, and only the worst could go into these wells and, and drink and be refreshed. So even those who were of, of reasonable stand, they still had to wait. And they waited and waited and waited, and then they got their turn and they went. Now, I want you to consider with me. Try to imagine. You're going to have to use your imagination. Try to imagine what the thirst of that situation must have been like. Every single one of them were dehydrated to a point. And some still had to wait hours to get a drink of water. Now, it was reported that one of the soldiers was a Christian. And his response to all of this, after he had to wait a long, long time to, to get a drink, to get a very basic drink of water, this was his response. I believe that we all learned our first real Bible lesson on the march from Beersheba to the Shireah Wells. If such were our thirst for God, our thirst for righteousness, and for His will in our lives, a consuming, all-embracing, preoccupying desire, how rich would all of us be in the fruit of the Spirit? That was his one takeaway. His one takeaway from this journey of thirst and, and almost dying, basically, was this. If we had the same thirst, the same passion, the same desire, the same want of God and to be right with God and to do His will and to fulfill His laws, how blessed would we be? When you read those words, when you hear those words, when you hear the implications of what the man said, the only appropriate response is utter repentance. Because I immediately realized, when I read that the other day, I immediately realized that when it comes to a longing for righteousness, when it comes for a longing, a desire, a thirst, a hunger, for the holiness of God, to be right with Him and to do what is right. There are so many times in my life, and I can imagine it's the same for you, and I can only imagine it's the same for you, but I know for me, I can, in, in my life, there are so many times where the longing, the hunger, the thirst is just not there. And I am desiring so many other things. Prioritizing so many other things rather than hungering and thirsting after God and to be right with Him. All of us here know, probably, especially if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, you'll know that the Christian life is a battle, it is a war. You'll know that there are lots of things pulling you one way, pulling you the other, pulling you in different directions. You have other desires, other longings that are not ultimately for God and for His righteousness. 
Jesus tells us here that even as a starving man, even, even as the man who is thirsting to the point of dehydration will long for food or long for water, so must we long, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Here's our problem. We try to fill the hunger and thirst for righteousness with other things. We try to fill the gap with other things. As I said, everyone has this desire. Everyone has this hunger, this spiritual hunger. There's a universal desire in man for something beyond himself. One of, the, one of the world's most renowned atheists said this. The center of me, and maybe you can identify with this. This is what he said. Bertrand Russell said this. The center of me is always and eternally a terrible pain, a searching for something beyond what the world contains, something transfigured and infinite. A God I cannot find. I do not think it is to be found. But the love of it is my life. It is the actual spring of life within me. Wow. That's an atheist. Identifying the very need that every single human being has. That's an amazing thing for one of history's most prominent atheists to say, to admit that he has a longing, a searching to be fulfilled. And, and we're sitting in here this morning, and for most of us, we know what fills that. We know that, that God is the only thing that can fill that. Christ is the only thing that can fill that. Christ is the only thing that can satisfy. And yet, we try, endeavor every single day to fill it with other things. We've got the answer, and yet we look past the answer every day. I say, unfortunately, most of us try to seek to satisfy that spiritual hunger in the wrong way. Romans 1 tells us this. The unrighteous, as part of the unrighteous man, is the fact that they have exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image of the, in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. We have exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for stuff. We exchange the glory and, and, and what we find in God and the satisfaction we find in Christ for things. For idols. We try to put other people in this place. We try to put our jobs in this place. We try to put money in this place. We try to put food in this place. We try to put power in this place. We try to a hobby. We put a hobby in this place. We, we put a football team in this place. We, we, we exchange the glory that we have in God 
for corruptible things all day, every day. When we look, and then we wonder why we're not satisfied. I wonder why I'm not satisfied. I wonder why I'm still longing and still searching. I'm a Christian. This doesn't make sense. Why is this? Because we're looking in the wrong place. We're looking for satisfaction in things that cannot satisfy. Again, Lewis, in mere Christianity, wrote this, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on Himself. He Himself is the fuel for our spirits. The fuel that we were designed to burn. Or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from Himself because it is not there. God made us to be fulfilled by Him. And only those who turn their hunger towards God will be satisfied. Only those who, who turn that hunger and that thirst that is in us. Let's, let's, let's be honest this morning with ourselves. We all have a hunger and a thirst for something. Maybe, it's, maybe you're hungering and you're thirsting for, and you think you'll find that in acceptance of a, of a certain group of people. Maybe you're hungering and thirsting this morning and, you'll, and you think you'll find that if you like, fulfill some other purpose. Maybe you're hungering and you're thir- you'll, you'll find it in a job or whatever. You won't. I'm pleading with you. You won't. We have to realize that this hunger that's in us is for God. And I want us to do an honest assessment this morning. An honest assessment of our hunger and our thirst for righteousness. Do we have it? Do I have it? Are you hungering and thirsting to be right with God and to do what God wants you to do? And then the second part of an honest assessment is where are you going to get that hunger fulfilled? Because we're all fulfilling it somewhere or trying to. Where is it for you? As I say, I could go through a list. There's no point, though. I could go through a list of of obvious ways in which we try to fulfill that hunger. As I say, it could be career. could be money. could be popularity. could be acceptance. could be whatever. Blah, 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 blah. could be whatever. And then I could touch on the really dangerous one. could be family. 
the biggest idol of our culture. But what is it for you? Where do you need you? Where do you need to repent this morning of where you're trying to fulfill the hunger that only God can fulfill? The good news here, the good news is that Jesus says this, blessed are you, you'll be content. You will be content in God no matter what the circumstances. When you hunger and you thirst, you will be satisfied. That's the good news. He's not behind the door and saying like, oh, I might, I might fulfill this need, I might not, you know. No. The good news is you will be content in God when you hunger and you thirst after him, for you will be satisfied. If that is your honest prayer this morning, if that's your honest ask to come before God and be like, I'm hungering after you, I'm thirsting after you, I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you can guarantee 100% you will be satisfied. That's the promise. 17th century Scottish pastor Samuel Rutherford said this, Christ, listen to this, listen, listen to this, this is massive. Christ is as full a feast as you can have hunger. Christ is as full a feast as you can have hunger. That basically means you, you can never be hungry and you'll never out-hunger His fulfillment. He has as much to satisfy all His children. Christ is as full of feast as you can have hunger. Now, I don't know about you, but I, re I read this verse this week, and I thought about this verse all week, and I've been in this verse. And I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you can read the end of that verse, and you can look at that, they will be satisfied, and you can think, am I doing something wrong? Am I not eating the right way? Am I not drinking the right way? Am I not hungering the right way? Because oftentimes I don't feel satisfied. The gap between the satisfaction and the life that I have is quite large. And I'm so grateful this morning, thankful to Jesus this morning, that he has one condition in this beatitude. One condition. Is it that you have to be radical enough? Nope. Is it that you have to have enough faith? Nope. Is it that you have to be committed enough? Nope. Is it that you have to be cleaned up enough? Nope. Here's the condition. Hunger and thirst. That's it. Hunger and thirst. That's the one condition. And here's the thing. So few of us are willing to live in that place of hungering and thirsting. To be able to say, 
I don't have this sussed. I, I don't know what I'm doing. To be able to, to be humble enough to say, listen, I'm follow the first three Beatitudes. I am poor in spirit. I have nothing to bring. To mourn over our sin. To be meek. So few of us are willing to live there. Because we all want to be powerful. We all want to have it sussed. We all want to have the answers. Flip that. God actually says, Jesus actually says, those who will be satisfied will be the ones who come to me with nothing. No answers. No righteousness of their own. Nothing to offer spiritually. They will be the ones who are blessed. They will be the ones who are blessed. Back to my first original question as we finish. How could someone tell you're a Christian? Could they say that you're a person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? To be right before God? To do what He asks? To fulfill His laws? Is this one of the markers of your life that you hunger and you thirst to be right before God? How do you know you're a Christian? Like Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if you apply the test of this verse to your life, does it stack up? If you apply the test of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, can you say that of yourself? Maybe we do need to do some honest assessment this morning. Blessed are those content in every circumstance are those who hunger and those who thirst to be right with God. For they will be satisfied. Here's the thing for those of us in here this morning who aren't Christians, who aren't followers of Jesus. The same verse applies to you. The same thing applies to you. If you don't know Christ, if you're not still outside of Him and you want to know Him, you, you feel that, you feel the that disconnect, you feel the wrongness like I talked about when you have a row with something. When you know something's not right, you know your life, you know your, your con connection with God, you know your relationship with God is not right. The same verse applies to you. Blessed are you when you hunger and you thirst to be right with God because you will be satisfied. That's the promise. When you come to God this morning, come to God this morning and say, I have nothing to bring but I want you to save me. I'm hungering and thirsting after you. I want you to be in my life. I want you to run my life. I don't want to do this anymore myself. I need you. When you do that, the promise is that you will be satisfied. He's not going to turn his back. 
He's not going to not answer. You will be satisfied through what Christ has done on the cross. Come to Him this morning. For those of us who are believers, apply that test. Apply the test of this verse to your life to see if you're His. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for how clear it is. We thank you that you've not made it complicated. You've not made it muddy. But you've made it really simple. So help us apply it through the person of the Spirit this morning. Help us to apply uh, your word to our own lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do in searching the hearts of our, just the hearts of, of men and women and boys and girls. You're the only one that can convict us of sin. You're the only one that can tell us that if we're searching in the wrong place for fulfillment. You're the only one that can do that. And you're the only one who can apply the precious blood of Jesus to us all. And to give us the assurance that we are yours. Help us, we pray. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.